If you haven't read the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, I highly recommend it. I won't feel bad if you stop listening to this right this second and go and read it. I just reread it for the first time in I don't know how long. It only took me, I don't know, a couple hours to reread it. Why did I reread it? Because I just interviewed Stephen Pressfield for the podcast. It's being edited right now, so you're going to have to wait a week or two before getting to listen to it. But the book is tremendous. I highly recommend it because it's so valuable. Having lived a life of an artist at some point, you know, I had pieces in galleries and museums. And as a scientist, and I consider a lot of what I do performance art, it is tremendously, this book is tremendously motivating and help you get past resistance. Uh, For people who read the book, they know what I'm talking about. You'll hear in my conversation with him that in this recent rereading, it seemed to me that what he talks about with art translates very, very well into acting in stewardship. I recorded this part when I said to him just what I just said, that his book translates very well into inspiring you to act environmentally. And I wanted to develop that, that idea. So the analogy doesn't work perfectly, but there are a few things that work very well. One is, I'm going to say some words that he used, and the words that if you just change these words, 90% of the book would probably work, maybe 75%. So art, if you change art to stewardship, or taking responsibility for how my actions affect others. So instead of having the war of art, it could be the war of stewardship. Art is a challenge. Stewardship is a challenge. But it's incredibly rewarding. Next, most of the beginning of the book is about resistance, this concept of what holds you back. It could stay as resistance because people resist acting environmentally. They resist taking responsibility for how their behavior affects others. They'd rather just you know fly somewhere and not really think about it, buy something conveniently wrapped in plastic, and not think about that what you get instead of the convenience is something you probably value more. So it could be complacency. So resistance could switch over to complacency, or you could keep it as resistance. He talks a lot about being a professional. I would switch the word professional into being a steward, someone who takes others into account when they act. He's got a lot of stories about his own life. They would have to translate into my stories. His stories aren't about stewardship. They're about artistic things. Uh, It could be stories of Greta. And I was about to say scientists, But it's really people who live sustainably because, as far as I know, most scientists don't live sustainably. Towards the end, there's a passage about terminal cancer. He talks about someone who works with people when they find out that they have terminal cancer, suddenly their life, they find meaning and purpose in things that they didn't before. This is my language, not his. And often goes into into remission because they realize what their values are and suddenly things become very, very important. They act on those things. And in this case, it would be realizing what collapse really means, what fate is very likely coming to humans, something like hundreds of millions or billions of people dying. Once you realize that, you can't just keep watching so much TV and eating so much doof. When I reread it, I noticed that it did cover, I mean, technically this book does cover acting environmentally or acting in stewardship because at the beginning he talks about in The Unlived Life, quoting him now, it says, have you ever brought home a treadmill and let it gather dust in the attic? Ever quit a diet, a course in yoga, a meditation practice? Here's the big one, or here's one of the two big ones. Have you ever bailed out on a call to embark on a spiritual practice? Dedicate yourself to humanitarian calling. Commit your life to the service of others. Have you ever wanted to be a mother, a doctor, an advocate for the weak and helpless, to run for office, crusade for the planet, campaign for world peace, or to preserve the environment? Then you know what resistance is. That was one part where that's what we do when we act in stewardship. There's another part later on. He says, the following is a list in no particular order of those activities most commonly elicit resistance. And so these are the things that he writes about. If you do these things, this book is for you. 
The pursuit of any calling in writing, painting, music, film, dance, or any creative art, however marginal or unconventional. The launching of any entrepreneurial venture or enterprise, for profit or otherwise. Any diet or health regimen. But let me skip to any course or program designed to overcome an unwholesome habit or addiction. That's what's causing our environmental problems. Education of any kind. That's relevant. Any act of political, moral, or ethical courage, including the decision to change for the better some unworthy pattern or thought or conduct in ourselves. Or the undertaking of any enterprise or endeavor whose aim is to help others. The taking of any principled stand in the face of adversity. So this is really, his book is really about acting in stewardship. So if you're looking for motivation to act in stewardship, read this book. For other reasons, read this book. I think it's that useful. When he talks about work, I would say the equivalent would be not burning calories or sitting down and working so hard, but it's really considering how your behavior affects others. You don't have to do this, but when you do, my contention is that you'll prefer a life when you do that, but it does take some effort at the beginning, but then you live that way. He talks at one point about the fear of success, that that is the artist's greatest fear. Now, the following isn't special to the environment, but I contend, and I think I've said this in the recording with him when I spoke with him, is that there's also the fear that we could have acted sooner. And then we realize, in the case of stewardship, that we've, we've been hurting people unnecessarily. In the case of art, we've been living not the life we could have. Now, not everything fits the analogy. So some things don't quite fit the analogy, but most does. And then the things that don't exactly fit when you work at it, you can find out ways that they fit. For example, he talks about the Marines and how they live such a rough life. That would translate to something like living in stewardship. I think you're going to get really dirty because I think you will start to garden. The dirt will clean you, however. At the end, he talks about the artist in more detail. And this would be the steward, one who considers how he affects others and factors that into his behavior. It makes me think of a parent who, if their child gets sick and that forces that parent to forego something like a trip somewhere, a parent doesn't love the child less. The parent loves the child more for having to, it's not sacrifice, for taking care of the child. And I think stewardship is like that. The more we take care of our, how we affect others through the environment, I think the environment is like that. I think stewardship is like that, that the more we act in stewardship, even when it looks to others like we sacrifice, I think it actually improves our lives in the way that the war of art, it's worth taking on that challenge. It's worth going to war to make your art. It's worth going to war internally, overcoming resistance to act in stewardship. And Stephen Pressfield's The War of Art will help you do it, will create meaning in when you do it, will help you overcome resistance. You'll just love it a lot more, and you'll probably do it faster.